What's up, guys? Max, you're back with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. I hope wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you're having a great time. I sure am because I'm here with Harry Lime Pie, Kitty, and everybody else who hasn't checked in yet in the chat, and there's nowhere I would rather be. And we have a great episode planned for you guys today. I've got some cool stuff. We're going to watch some videos, talk about some stories, the good and the bad. You know how we do it here. I have uh, some good Marine Corps history. Ooh, rah, some good Marine Corps history for you guys. And it's going to be all in all a fantastic Thursday. And then tomorrow we'll probably do some kind of quanda, maybe set up something special. We will see. But, but before we get into any stories today, update on Julian, the film, currently sitting at $4,200 on Indiegogo plus additional contributions puts us over $5,300 in contributions up to this point, which is insane. And uh, I'm super excited about what's to come. It's going to be absolutely incredible, everyone. It's going to be amazing. So thank you, everyone out there. I see you. I'm looking right at you, contributors that are, that are maybe with us right now. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. I'm sure I know it means a lot to Julian. And so many other people have already reached out saying how cool this project is and how excited they are and how important it is to them. So know that your efforts, your contributions are a major part of this production. No matter how small, no matter if you shared it on your social media, contributed, whatever it is, it's going a long way towards the ultimate goal. And you know what? We might get there. We might get to that full goal but even if it stopped tomorrow, we're on our way, folks. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. So thank you. Please keep sharing. Please keep letting people know about this, and it's going. To, we're going to make it. So thank you very much. That is the Daily Julian update, and uh, now we'll get into the Scuttlebutt Show standard operating procedure of bringing you guys the most interesting stories in, around, and about the Navy, Army, Marine Corps, Space Force, Coast Guard, National Guard, you name it, Veteran World, Veteran World. Would that be a good theme park? Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm taking kids down to Veteran World, and, uh, you know, we're going to teach them. We're going to teach them about 5'11 pants, dip, and uh, there's some cool rides, too. Go on to the PTSD simulator. It's going to be great. All right. Now that my shenanigans are out of the way, let's get into the first story, which is a crazy one. U.S. Army vet has been killed fighting in the Ukraine's south area of operations. And maybe this could serve as a, a, a little bit of a cautionary tale, somewhat. Not like uh, am I anything against people who want to go over there and, and you know be a part of what's going on in Ukraine, especially after seeing all the horrible things happening to the civilian population over there. But listen to some of the stuff in this article and tell me if you think this uh, could be a cautionary tale to another young person. A U.S. Army veteran killed fighting in southern Ukraine. That's Kherson last week between Russia and where there, there's fighting going on between Russia and Ukraine, which now has been going on for nine months, if you can believe that. Army Times reported 21-year-old Trent Davis was killed on his first combat mission under the International League of the Ukrainian Armed Forces. First combat mission. And, you know, for combat veterans out there, you know already, I don't have to tell you, it could be your first, your last, or any mission in between. They're all equally as dangerous. A representative of Ukraine's International Legion told Davis's parents that their son and another soldier were seriously injured in fighting near the southern city of Kherson. The representative told Davis's parents that another member of his unit helped evacuate Davis to safety, but that Davis died shortly thereafter from his wounds while being evacuated to a field hospital. 
Davis, who enlisted in the U.S. Army at 17 years old, according to an Army spokesperson, Mr. or Mrs. Madison Bonzo, told Army Times that Davis served as a chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear specialist in Fort Riley. Davis finished his enlistment as a private last December and had no deployments. So is this person the most ready to go fight on the front lines of a ground war between Russia and Ukraine at 21 years old? Flies overseas. I mean, that's an adult. That's a person who's going to make their choices and live their life. Goes over there, a CBRN specialist, not a combat MOS, and no deployments under his belt. Honorable service, it sounds like. Goes over there to fight. First mission is killed. Davis joined the League Legion earlier this year, but had initially been assigned to a unit that refused to deploy the inexperienced U.S. Army veteran. But this fall, Davis was able to transfer over to another International Legion unit that was willing to deploy him. Obviously, that's what he wanted to do. People out there saw, hey, this guy with no, he's not combat MOS. He's not combat experience. Why would we put him on the front lines? Then somebody did. And what happens on the first day? It says here, he wanted to do his part to bring kids into a safer world, even if it could cause him to sacrifice his life, according to his mother, Janie Broadbent. He said Russians are pretty much bullies, and he just wanted to help people. It's a noble statement. Davis's father, Chris Davis, said his son would look me dead in the eye and say, I'm invincible. He had that young man confidence he believed, and he made me believe it. I don't know what to say to the father in this case. I mean, I wouldn't say anything because it's a horrible tragedy, and he now has to mourn his son which is unthinkable. But the fact that he said his son would say, I'm invincible, which, you know, young people tend to feel invincible. And then the father said, he made me believe it. That's the cautionary part. It's the, that's the, that's the tagline of inexperience. That is the definition of inexperienced. That is, that is youth. That is optimism. That is hope that, you know, the world will just be in your favor. And it is really not in combat. It is really not. And so many people tried to help this kid out, put him where he should be, probably where he should be. But he ended up on the front lines and on his first mission is killed. And so just take that and put that in your brain as an example of how this type of thing can go and, uh, and use that experience. Christopher, who was a 21-year veteran of the Army himself and had combat experience, told Army Times, I should have known better the enemy gets a vote no matter what you plan. Yeah, that's, that's experience talking. The younger Davis is one of at least 10 Americans to die fighting in Ukraine since the invasion. Marine Corps uh, veteran Willie Joseph Cancel was killed fighting in Ukraine last April. Stevens of Bielski was killed fighting in Ukraine in May. Americans Luke Skywalker, Luke Zinn, and Brian Young were also killed in Ukraine in July. And the list goes on and on. So it is a very sad story here, but it is a cautionary tale to where youth can, I mean, didn't we just see, didn't everyone just see All Quiet on the Western Front? I'm thinking right now of the movie, which is great on Netflix, All Quiet on the Western Front, which is effectively kind of about this, this same concept of being young, being disillusioned in the glory of war which it has that allure, and then you go there, and what happens? It's not what you think it's going to be. And I'm surprised his dad, who is a 21-year Army vet with combat deployments, would say he his son made him believe that he was just some kind of, you know, American superhero who's going to go over there and lead the way as a CBR specialist, private in the Army with no deployments. I don't know how that happens. Not good. 
very sad for the Davis family. My thoughts are with you guys. I hope you, you know, come to grips with this somehow. And just keep this in mind when you and, you know, young people that you know, your kids are saying that they want to go off to war, think of all quiet in the Western Front, think of stories like this. It's not, it's not pretty. The enemy gets a say, and it doesn't matter if you're the best soldier or the worst soldier, your time could come up, your ticket could be pulled anytime out there. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Iron Lotus, what's up? Eviana, what's up? Robert Mingle says Max versus viewers BJJ meetup. First person to sub him gets merch. Uh, first, everyone would submit me, so that would be fine. Please hit the like button. Harry Lime Pie says, thank you. A.N., what's up? Howdy, Scuttle Buddies. Tommy F. the Russians. I think that that's the vibe, right? F. the Russians is definitely the vibe. Um, it is, it's not good, all that stuff that's going on over there. I will say, just like I said the other day, I'm glad I waited and didn't, you know, I could have come on the show on Tuesday and been like, breaking news, Russia bombs Poland. I could have done that because that was what was blowing up on the news right before the show started on Tuesday. Good thing I didn't because that ended up not to be the case, right? So as always, as I always say on this show, it is best to not rush to judgment. It's best to not rush to the headline. I always, if there's a story on this show, I always check it and check it in another source to make to make sure it's legit. Um, I've, I've turned away a lot of good stories on this show because they don't seem legit. Like they could be me getting my leg pulled or some kind of, you know, bad actor writing some of this stuff. So just be careful out there when you're online with the news and, uh, and what you're telling people and what you're spreading. Remember what you're spreading based on what you read on the internet could be very wrong, very wrong. And you're perp and you're perpetrating it. Reminds me of the American combat vet who went to Ukraine to fight, but then came back saying it was nothing like he'd ever experienced or seen said warfare had changed. Yes, I remember exactly what you're talking about. I think we talked about it on this show. It's definitely not like Iraq and Afghanistan over there. It's very different. Very different. We can, you can see it. It's all on, it's on TikTok. It's on YouTube. You can see what's going on over there. It's not like anything we've seen as Americans fighting over overseas in the last 20 years. It's different. But you know what's not different? This next story. In fact, I had to double check to make sure I wasn't having deja vu. Man charged with distributing fentanyl and heroin at near Westside VA Medical Center. Another VA Medical Center person in that area trying to get veterans at their most vulnerable and sell them these dangerous, deadly, addictive narcotics. A man is charged with selling fentanyl-laced heroin at a Veterans Affairs facility in Chicago this summer, and another is charged with possession of fentanyl and heroin with intent to sell it in the facility's parking lot. Richard Husband, 73 years old, is accused of delivering bags containing fentanyl and heroin July 22nd to three men in the lobby of the Jesse Brown Veterans Affairs Medical Center, Jesse Brown. I don't know if that's named after the pilot Jesse Brown, but there is a, the famous uh, Navy pilot uh, Jesse Brown. Medical Center 820 South Damon Avenue. One of the men later overdosed in his home and died. Surveillance footage in the center's lobby captured the drug deals. So it was on camera, caught it on camera. Husband is also accused of delivering heroin at a bus stop near the VA Medical Center on July 2nd 
and he's also charged with distribution of a controlled substance. On June 25th, though, another man was found in possession of fentanyl and heroin in the VA Medical Center's parking lot. A pedestrian alerted police about a vehicle with its door open, and officers observed a straw with a gray powder residue in the center console area. Officers confronted Wayne Townsend, 71 years old. What is going on? When he returned to his car and he consented to a search, which led authorities to seize drug paraphernalia and $1,000 in cash. He also had nine bags containing fentanyl and heroin in his pockets. If you have nine baggies in your pocket full of drugs, you're probably selling them. Townsend is charged with possession of a controlled substance with intent to deliver. Husband and Townsend were arrested Monday and the investigation is ongoing. Absolutely horrible that you've got people targeting veterans at the VA to sell them fentanyl and other opioids. What a bunch of sickos. And how are these guys 73 and 71 years old? Does that make any sense? Let me know what you think about that in the comments. Wow. 73 and 71 years old. Wow, wow, wow. What's up, Sam? One gram of Sam in the chat. Lock him up for a long time. Harry Lime Pie says, yeah, if you're out there selling deadly drugs to veterans at the VA, I hope you do get locked up for a long time. That is absolutely for sure. Sat, we got we to gotta burn through some of the stuff today, guys. We got a lot to get to today, so I'm going to keep rolling through these stories. We've got another one here, a sad, sad story. Unfortunately for me, because this is where I'm going to be next year with my family, not a good message. Sacramento area veterans and active military losing major benefits. So up in Sacktown, where I'm going to be next year, losing the BX. Oh my gosh. Another setback is impacting Northern California veterans and active duty service members in the former McClellan Air Force Base area as the Army and Air Force, or otherwise known as AFES, exchange is set to close next week. Very, very sad. If you don't know, as a veteran, you can shop at the AFES exchanges and... That's great because you don't pay taxes over there. You get better prices, all this stuff. But but now if you're up in Sacramento, you have to go back to online shopping because they're closing down the brick and mortar. Even though the McClellan Air Force Base shut down in 2001, the BX and PX exchange remained open for the military community. The absence of a military mission combined with a decrease in demand are the reasons for the closure. Up here, it says uh, from a couple citizens, we moved to the Sacramento area because there were so many nice Air Force bases we could use in our retirement, said Navy military spouse Marty Hills. Now she and her veteran husband have to look for other options. The exchange offers deep discounts and tax-free household items, goods, clothing, electronics, and furniture. It also has restaurants and a barbershop. Usually depends as far as barbershop goes. Some of the barbershops at the exchange are like real barbershops where you can get a real haircut and others are using the flobies look here's the deal I, my hair is one of the most important factors in my whole existence and if somebody tries to cut my hair and the clippers are connected to a vacuum cleaner i'm not going there i i am if i if the clippers you're using to cut my hair i've seen on infomercials i'm not going there straight up my hair is too important it was kind of a payback for the many, many months when our spouses were gone and serving overseas, said Hills. It made us feel blessed by the community and appreciated. Now it's dollar and cents to exist. He's talk, she's talking about the, the existence of the exchange up there as a support system for the veterans and retirees. The sign hanging outside the building gives reasons for the closure. The absence of a military mission combined with a decrease in demand, it encourages shoppers to buy items from the online exchange in place of its closure. It says here from Navy veteran Ernest Granger, who's 80, I wish they'd keep it open because we use it. And exchanges can also be a hangout for veterans. People will sit there in the food court and they'll have hangouts. It's a generally safer space because you need to have access to it with a valid ID. 
And so you can go in there, hang out. And it's kind of understood that in on-base facilities, people are way chill about you just hanging out there. You know, it's not like a, a shopping mall where security might come and be like, sir uh, or ma'am, can you bounce? Because you've been here enjoying some uh, sitting around for too long. And on base, it's not like that. It's like, hey, are you served? You're part of the community? Come on. This is a community place. This is a community business. We welcome you here. Hang out. And that's sad to see. Granger and his U.S. Marine veteran neighbor, Murray Wenkel, who's 86, drive from their retirement community in Folsom for a day of shopping and errands. It's close to us. We like to drive, and the prices are a little bit better than out here in the civilian world, said Wenkel. So sad, sad day. Dawn Latham helps her Air Force veteran father, 85, with errands by driving him to the BX several times a month. She says, or Donald says, this is one of the things people put their time in for. They put in 20 years. This is one of the things they're planning on. Army veteran Joe Margoli's visit from the PX from Stockton. He makes day of it with VA appointments, lunch, and shopping. It's a destination. It's not just a store. I'm a military retiree, so I'm definitely on a fixed income, said Margoli's. This makes it even more important, especially for people counting pennies and couponing. This is sad. The exchange, when reached out by local news, said the exchange has faithfully served American service members and their families for 127 years since 1895 and operates more than 4,330 facilities with operations in more than 30 countries, 50 states, and four U.S. territories. No matter where troops go, the exchange goes with them. The exchange serves troops in Southwest Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific. We look forward to continuing serving military members in Northern California at Beale Air Force Base and Travis Air Force Base and ShopMyExchange.com. The exchange officially closes on November 26th. Sorry to all the people out there who will be losing that, including myself. I, I'm losing it. I didn't even know it was a thing that I could lose, and now I'm losing it, so that's sad too. You know what always is weird to me? When people say over 4,330. If you said over 4,000, okay, cool, over 4,000. That could be any number. But if you say over 4,330, then you must be saying 4,331, or else why would you be so specific? It makes no sense. Or you're bluffing. Or alternatively, you're bluffing. If you go, well, last I heard there were 40,330. There must be more than that. I probably missed a couple. Let's just go with over. Let's just let's just say over. We'll ballpark it. Over. That's the only reason to say something stupid like that. Harry Lion Pie says, also not a good sign if they were playing that song from Full Metal Jacket. There's a, you know... The exchange services are great. They're like the fourth biggest retailer in the in the U.S. Because um, you, you know you have like um, Walmart, right? Kohl's. You have the AFES. They're the fourth biggest retailer. My daughter works for the one in Yakuska. That's great. A lot of spouses and family work there. It's a great job. It's a great first job. It's a great job for displaced families. So if you've been recently PCS'd and you need to get a jump, you can become an employee at the AFES. In fact, overseas, if you work for AFES, you can maintain your SOFA status and continuing living abroad with your family, with your foreign husband or wife over there, which is what a lot of people do. And you can do that all just by working for the organization. They're really great. They are. They don't have the best stuff all the time, but they're a great organization and they do a lot of good stuff for people. So sorry for Sacktown. Sacktown, stand up. Is that a thing? Is that a song? Anyway, back to bashing the Navy. Let's get to what the Scuttlebutt Show is really about. Let's bash the active 2D service branches. The Navy is the fat one, right? I think we can all agree. I think we can all agree. The Navy is honestly the fattest and laziest branch when it comes to PT because just the, the most slobbingly people are Navy. And what does the Navy continue to do? Lower standards. 
Navy announces 2023 one fitness assessment cycle. So one PRT. There used to be a joke in the Navy that people were in the three mile a year club. They would run a mile and a half twice a year. Now they're not even doing that. Now they're maybe running a mile and a half once. Oh my God. For the third consecutive year, sailors will participate in one fitness assessment cycle in 2023. There used to be two, but because of COVID, honestly, I don't think that's because of COVID because before COVID even happened, they reduced the fitness standards as far as weight and body composition. They, they broadened waistlines. They increased poundage that you can crank on that scale. They had to get special scales, folks. They had to get industrial scales to measure these sailors. I'm telling you. So now next year, only one PRT, but if there is one benefit at all, it's that there's no skipsies. It used to be, if you get a really high score on your PRT, you could just skip, but now you cannot skip. Now you cannot skip. Now you have to do it. If you're the Navy has come a long way with their rules for pregnant and postpartum sailors, which it says here, which is great. But now the Navy is dropping their two cycle fitness down to one. And I cannot think of one possible explanation for that. They should what they should have done. What obviously should have happened is they should have gone from two to four. And what I always thought, in my personal opinion, is that the commanding officer should be able to dictate when the PRT is within a week's notice. So, hey, PRT is next Wednesday, one week. If you're not on, on profile, if you're not limited duty, you're you're doing it. That's it. No questions asked. That should have that's how it obviously always should have been. But instead, every step of the way. We go in exactly the opposite direction of where we should. That seems to be how the world is nowadays, and that's why I think I'm living in the twilight zone. Anyway, let me know what you think about that in the comments section down below. Oh, my God. AN says because they have the best chow, and that is true. The Navy does have the best chow, but it doesn't mean that uh, you have to be the fat ones. <sighs> I guess if I'm going to bash the Navy, I have to bash the Army. I guess. I guess I'm going to bash the Navy. I have to bash. And what is a scuttlebutt show episode if we're not trash talking the army a little bit, folks? Honestly, what is it? Honestly, is it anything? If a scuttlebutt show happens and the army is not bashed, did the scuttlebutt show really happen? You let me know in the comment section down below. What's up, Nuggets? Let's get into it. Unbelievable. Official. <laughs> official U.S. Army app had Russian code in it, could have harvested data for Russia, says report, making the Army today's scuttlebutt show clown of the day. An app for a key U.S. Army base was developed by a company that's registered for business in Russia. Reuters believes it could have been compelled to harvest data for the Russian government, potentially putting critical U.S. military data into the hands of one of its top geopolitical adversaries. The company has denied sharing data with the Russian government. Well, of course, you don't share it on purpose. You got fooled, dummies. On Monday, Reuters reported a software firm known as Push Whoosh. Push Whoosh? Push Whoosh? Push Whoosh. Oh, my God. It's like it's like a wolf from the office. Like we're living in satire now. Push Whoosh presented itself as an American company, but that it's actually a Russian company. Reuters further reported that the firm developed an app for the U.S. Army and for the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, and raised the prospect that the Russian authorities can compel companies operating in Russia to hand over their app user data. Of course, Reuters reportedly obtained company documents showing Push Whoosh 
is headquartered in the Russian town of Nozobersk. No, 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 Voz, no, Voz. See, I'm not a Russian agent. I don't even know how to say this. Novosibirsk and is registered to pay taxes in Russia. So all the money that the army's the army is literally sending money to Russia for them to develop spyware for the army so that the army can give over all of its information to Russia. Great. That's great. C4 ISRNet reported the firm developed an app for the U.S. Army's National Training Center on Fort Irwin. The base service is a key training unit for deployment overseas so they could have op tempo, scheduling, movements, all that stuff. The software firm also developed code used on the CDC's main app as well as other CDC apps meant to track a wide range of health information. Oh my God, it just goes on and on and on. Reuters reported Pushwoosh, which I can't even believe is a real thing that I'm saying, lists Washington, D.C. as its location on Twitter and claims an office address in Kensington, Maryland. This Maryland address is also listed as the company's Facebook and LinkedIn profiles address. Reuters reported the Kensington house belongs to a friend of Pushwoosh founder, Max Konev. The friend reportedly told Reuters on condition of anonymity that he had nothing to do with the business and only agreed to let Konev use his address via to receive mail. Unlikely. Uh, that he didn't have anything to do with it at all. That's unlikely. Pushwoosh also reportedly created LinkedIn accounts for two people who purport to live in D.C. who don't even exist. So if that's not an indicator of uh, bad behavior, I don't know what is. Konef said he admitted to Reuters that the accounts were not genuine. Konef and Pushwoosh hired a marketing agency in 2018 to create the fake accounts to help promote Pushwoosh, but not to hide the company's connections to Russia. Pushwoosh. In a statement to Reuters from Pushwoosh, Push Whoosh Inc. is a privately held C-Corps company incorporated under the state laws of Delaware, which is one of the greatest states for shell companies. Push Whoosh was never owned by any company registered in the Russian Federation, they said. The company said it used to outsource development parts of the product to the Russian company in Novosibirsk, mentioned in the Reuters article. But in February 2022, Push Whoosh terminated the contract after the damage was already done, I'm sure. Push Whoosh also said it operates in a number, in a number of countries and has data centers in Nuremberg, Germany, and Washington, D.C. Germany, of course, an ally to the United States and Russia being an adversary. This, don't be fooled by those types of words. There's no reason that you would create fake, fraudulent accounts for your employees if everything was on the up and up, right? Don't forget from 10 seconds ago, folks, don't forget 10 seconds ago, you had all you needed to know that this was bad. And this is reminding me of the OPM hack where the identities and personal information and security clearance investigation information of every person with security clearance in the whole United States government was acquired by China because guess what? The U.S. hired Chinese organizations to maintain that data. It doesn't take a rocket scientist, folks. But meanwhile, if you guys remember, the Air Force is literally hiring hookers as rocket scientists. Everything's wrong and the world will be over soon, I am quite sure. Reuters and Dongu, another reporting agency on this, found no evidence that Pushwoosh mishandled user data. The publication also published a quote from uh, Jerome Dongu, who said, we haven't found any clear sign of deceptive or malicious intent in Pushwoosh's agencies. How about the fake LinkedIn profiles, though? And at this point, my faith is shattered. C4 ISRNet reported at least 1,000 people downloaded the app and it fell out of common use in around 2019 due to routine personnel changeover at the base which is the most malicious type of app, the one that you kind of forget about. I mean, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy over here, but it just certainly seems like that is an obvious security flaw. Ah, oh, man, could you imagine if one random E3 did anything like this? They'd be at court-martial, but the US, United States Army does this. They're good to go. Good to go, which is why they were the scuttlebutt show clowns of the day. Be careful out there. Your phone has been hacked by Russia. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness gracious. Me, oh, my. Me, oh, my. 
Kitty says, still not as bad as the Chair Force basic training you showed us. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Breach in the military, that's a cloudable moment. Imagine getting outclassed by a company called Push Whoosh. Yeah. Are you saying you were outsmarted by Push Whoosh? Yes, that is what we are saying. Why do they make them use an app anyways? Did anyone else in the chat have to use apps while serving? Yes. When I was in Naval Special Warfare deploying with Navy SEAL teams, we did all of our official communication over WhatsApp. That is not sarcasm. That is a true story. Regarding the previous Air Force bid, I'm not surprised. Most of the airmen are not expected to engage in close combat with an adversary. The branch has a completely different purpose. Yeah, true. But military bearing is just military bearing, you know? You know who else does not typically directly engage with the enemy? Sailors aboard ships. That has not happened in a long time. But does that mean they should be unready? Not when stories like this are abound. Navy seizes massive amounts of explosive material from boat en route from Iran to Yemen. And folks, this picture says it all because as you can see here, one sailor is throwing a bag of explosive material. Another sailor is standing over here with a bunch of bags of explosive material. And what do we have in between them? Wet wipes. Because you know a chief out there was like, hey, is that 10,000 pounds of explosives? Yes, chief. Well, let's clean it. You know, <laughs> well, we have to field day it before we put it on, before we seize it. All right. I know we're seizing this Iranian fishing boat full of explosives, but we are not taking this boat into custody until it's been properly field day. Oh, uh, you know, that's exactly what happened. And bra by the way, bravo Zulu to the Navy out there doing this. Navy and Coast Guard ships stopped a fishing boat in the Gulf of Oman that was apparently smuggling more than 170 tons of chemicals that can be used to make explosives, including ballistic missiles. Guided missile destroyer USS The Sullivans, named after the Sullivan brothers, and Coast Guard cutter USCGC John Scheuermann intercepted the fishing boat on November 8th as it sailed from the Iran, Iran along a route often used to send weapons to the Houthi rebels in Yemen. This was a massive amount of explosive material, enough to fuel more than a dozen medium-range ballistic missiles, depending on the size, said Vice Admiral Brad Cooper, who is not the actor, by the way. The unlawful transfer of lethal aid from Iran does not go unnoticed. It is irresponsible and dangerous and leads to violence and instability across the Middle East. Not the first, by any stretch of the imagination, interception like this that the Navy has made from Iranian origins. Also, Iran did capture those sailors on a mission just like this and caught them wearing white socks on patrol which is why they were caught in the first place and they exposed them for the white sock wearing people that they are. And this is just another one. So actually Bravo Zulu out there to the sailors. And I'm sorry that your chief made you clean the explosives. I am. I am so sorry that your chief made you clean these explosives. Make sure you get the exposure letter in your medical record. So when you get out, the VA will acknowledge that you were exposed to bleach. Thank you guys for that story. Checking it out with me. Let me know what you think about it in the comment section down below. Do you think it is credible? that the chief made them clean their explosives. You let me know in the comments section. I think so. I think not only is it credible, it's 100% what happened. I think without a doubt, the chief, the chief, the deck plate leader said, good job grabbing tons of explosives, field day time. Field day time. I am not bringing this on board our ship and showing our captain until it's been properly field day. That's what he said. Ah. <sighs> Let me collect my thoughts here really quick because it's about to get really ugly. Folks, it's about to get real ugly really fast. I don't want to be that guy because I just, you know, recently read the book Code Over Country. 
the corruption of SEAL Team 6. And, and I want to say that while there was a lot of good stuff in the book, shocking claims, it is part of war that ugly things happen. Ugly things happen. But that book concludes with, you know, a few chapters on this case that we're about to talk about. And this has got to be one of the worst stories. And you might be thinking, out of all of the stories, this is one of the worst. This might be the worst story to come out of the SEAL teams in the past 20 years. I can't, to be completely honest, I can't think of a worse story to come out of the SEAL teams. And then we get this update. Navy SEAL convicted for the death of Green Beret Logan Melgar has his 10-year sentence set aside, potentially commuted. An appellate court has set aside the 10-year prison sentence for former Navy Chief Petty Officer Tony Didoff, who pled guilty last year to involuntary manslaughter, hazing, and obstruction of justice in connection with the June 2017 death of Army Special Forces Staff Sergeant Logan Melgar. Of course, if you guys don't remember, here's the bluff, bottom line up front. While serving in Africa, a special operations team composed of different branches of service, including SEALs, Army, and other government agencies, were accused of, you know, misspending or laundering money and materials out of this mission. Uh, Logan Melgar, who did not agree with this type of stuff, was not really part of the t- part of the team on that one. He was uh, potentially going to rat them out or at least not participate in their shenanigans, making him a target. So what did they decide to do? What they decided to do was they were going to go to his room in the middle of the night, have guards from the hotel, SAM, you guys know what I'm saying? Use your imagination. Come up with the worst thing you can think of. Male security guards were going to do inappropriate stuff to him after they busted in, tied him up while he was sleeping. They were going to take pictures of it, and then they were going to blackmail him. So if he ever said anything, that they would uh, use that against him. During that attack, they murdered him. In January 2021, Dodoff was sentenced to 10 years in prison, reduction of rank to E1, and a dishonorable discharge. But now... He's getting a new sentencing hearing because prosecutors did not let Dodoff's attorneys know that one of the witnesses who testified against Dodoff had asked that his prison sentence be reduced from four to two years in exchange for his testimony. Basically, one of the witnesses made a made an agreement, took a deal, and the Dodoff's attorneys were not notified of that. So making his deal uh, erroneous. Now, it gets worse. According to the book, Code Over Country, an accomplice of Logan Melgar's apparently tracked down Logan Melgar's widow lied about his identity, and tried to sleep with her as potentially and probably more blackmail. Thankfully, there were other Green Berets watching her back, and it never happened. This is some sick stuff. And now we're learning that this person is getting a chance, a chance is what they're getting, to get out of their sentence. But you know who doesn't get to get out of the sentence? The widow, the family. The victim. <sighs> so why is this happening? At the Dodoff sentencing hearing, Marshall was the only prosecution witness who had taken part in the events culminating to Melgar's death to testify, according to the court. Marshall had already pled guilty to negligent homicide and other offenses, but his prison sentence was eventually reduced from four to three years after he served as a government witness against Dodoff and two other service members involved in the death. 
The trial counsel later gave the convening authority a material assistance letter discussing how Marshall had assisted the government, after which Marshall submitted a clemency request asking that his prison sentence be reduced down to two years. The Doff's attorneys were not aware of the material assistance letter or Marshall's clemency request when they asked prosecution for any evidence affecting the credibility of the government witnesses, including bias bearing on a witness's credibility. Houts chided prosecutors for not disclosing Marshall's clemency request to the defense. The fact that Private Marshall sought additional clemency from the convening authority in exchange for his testimony is clearly information that tended to demonstrate Private Marshall's bias and bore on his credibility. All information related to Private Marshall's request for additional clemency was responsive to this specific discovery request. All legalese over there. The appeals court decided to set aside Dadoff's conviction. The judge advocate general of the Navy will now determine which convening authority will hold a new sentencing hearing. He could walk, in, in theory. Hopefully he won't. Probably, you know, I don't even want to say probably, but hopefully he won't. It's horrendous what he did what those guys did. And the more you learn about it, the worse it gets. And then even after the fact, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse than that. It's crazy and it's dishonorable. And if this guy ends up walking somehow from this, it would be a laughing stock. Military, the military justice system is already a laughing stock. It's already something nobody takes seriously. But if the prosecution cannot even land the sentencing on this stuff, then what good, what, what is the point? What is the point of having a UCMJ? So you can bust down, you know, semen recruits on a boat? That's it? That's the best you can do with NJP? Absolute disgrace. Let me know what you guys think about that craziness in the comments section. Horrible. They tried to go after his widow. Those guys tried to go after his widow. It doesn't get, it doesn't get more disgusting than that, honestly. And not even, like, in a matter of convenience. Like, traveled to where she was at the SHOT Show in Vegas. Traveled there to target her. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. J-Dog had to get it ready for the photo ops. Yep. Every time you say push-woosh, I snort loudly at the office. Push-woosh. I'm going to turn push-woosh into a thing. I might make like a push-woosh sound effect and use it on the show or something like that. J-Dog, I love it when it gets ugly. 100% clown of the day. Private pile them. Yeah. This is too much to believe, Nugget says. <clears throat> Maybe. Well, we've already had so much about the Doff and the Logan Melgar case on this show. I don't know if I can make them the clown of the day any more times than I already have. Ugh, so sad. That breaks my heart. You know what? We got to turn it around, though. We got to turn it around and have something cool. We got to do something cool because we, that's, that's enough negativity for today, guys. Let's move it on to positivity. Let's, let's end it strong with a few stories here. The first being this incredible story. It's, it's Marine Corps birthday month. You know what I mean? The balls are happening every weekend. Every weekend, there are balls everywhere. You go out anywhere right now, you see, you see Marine balls. Anywhere you go, anywhere you look, Marine balls are in your face. So let's, <laughs> so let's celebrate the Marine Corps a little bit more with this video from the local news. Did you know where the origins of the Marines saying oorah came from? Well, let's learn a little bit about it right now. One Utah veteran is then now the oldest living Sergeant Major in the U.S. Marine Corps. And he is credited for starting the famous oorah battle cry. And tonight, the 92-year-old vet shares his story with new specialist Alex Cabrero. Veterans Day means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But to John Massaro... Veterans Day means everything to me. That's because of his 31-year career with the U.S. Marine Corps. 
He served early on in Korea, but had a chance to go home as soon as he got there. Sergeant Major up there says, anybody got any problems? And I said, I don't know if it's a problem or not. I said, but my enlistment ran out aboard ship. The Marines <laughs> were about to send Masara home, but he said, no way. All of my buddies that laid down their life for the United States of America, if I'd have come home, I couldn't look at you or anybody else in the face today. Massaro stayed, and after the war, one of his military assignments was to Clearfield, Utah, where he met his future wife. He decided to make the military his career, eventually making it to Sergeant Major of the entire U.S. Marine Corps, right under the Commandant. I found out I liked it. I adjusted well to military life. He now lives in St. George and Orem, but for all of his accomplishments, his biggest mark in history is being known as the Marine who started the famous Oorah chant, which is still used today. I know that. I know that they credit me with that, but uh, I really don't take any or hardly any credit for that. He says it came from the Aruga sound, the horn made in submarines, which he also served on. It became a greeting between Marines. And all of us probably used it to some extent. And I really can't honestly tell you how it got from Aruga to Oorah, but somehow it did. He just won't take the credit, though. For him, it was always a team effort. I was blessed in all the assignments that I had, the Marines that I was served with, uh, and you just I couldn't ask for anything more. It's why Veterans Day remains as important to him as almost any other holiday. In Orem, Alex Cabrero, KSL 5 News. That is pretty cool, folks. That is pretty cool. Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps goes out there, literally out of the Marine Corps and still on the ship. He didn't want to tell anybody. He didn't want to say. He's like, you know what? I'm, a, I'm technically a civilian, but hell no. Hell no. I'm here to fight. And they said, okay, okay, fine. We'll re-enlist you. And he becomes a Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. Could you imagine if the Marines were out there like, auga? Did you imagine? <laughs> Show me your war face. Auga. Like, <laughs> I'm glad they turned it into oorah. Oorah, Marines. Oorah. However you guys say it. I can't do it right because I'm not a Marine. But that's <laughs> shout out to you guys. Good for you. Nugget says, the birth of the Marines history from the halls of Montezuma to the plains of Midwest Utah. There you go. There you go. There's another. So <laughs> the Marine Corps has been in the news, obviously, a lot because November is Marine Corps month. And there's a lot of good stuff there. Like we just saw the origins of URA, which it doesn't how to do get. You can't beat that. But there is another story about the Marine Corps, another show, another special. We had Killer Sally last week, which is too funny. We had Killer Sally last week, and now we have this. Where is Private Delaney? A new show on Hulu examines a 1979 murder and cult in the Marine Corps. It's a Hulu docuseries. It's out now. I'm going to watch probably this weekend. It released Wednesday, explores the 1979 murder of a North Carolina Marine and the sordid world of drugs and violence that may have been underlying the crime. Let's take a look at this trailer and actually see what did happen to Private Delaney. Dear Mr. President, I am writing you concerning my son who is a Marine. He disappeared. When we first arrived on the scene, 
There was an arm sticking out of the ground. Goddamn. There was a shallow grave. I got the phone call. I knew something was wrong. I knew Leroy was dead. I talked to everybody that we could talk to. The Marines would do nothing. They were determined he was able. The idea that Marines were killing Marines? Never good for unit cohesion and morale. <laughs> I said, I'm Delaney's mother, and I'm not leaving without his body. So that's an army. Camp of June is a large base. A body could disappear there and never be found. These are notes from NIS about a satanic cult. The same name kept coming up. Fletcher, his reputation preceded him. He had every sign of being in a cult there ever was. Fletcher looked like a devil. They were robbing and killing people and selling drugs. We stopped a serial killer. I was determined I was bringing him home. I start a job, I finish it. Where's Private Delaney? We wanted the world to know about it. Oh, Dear man, what is that? I'm going to watch that. I'm going to go tell my wife we have to start watching that tonight. Delaney, where is Private Delaney? I got to know. I got to know. It's three parts. It's out on Hulu. Are you guys going to watch that? That looks insane. Whoa, satanic cult, drugs and violence, Marine Corps, Camp Lejeune. I'm in. Sign me up. Sign me up for Hulu, I guess. I'm going to be watching. I do have Hulu. I love television. No joke. I'm going to be watching that tonight. <laughs> that looks crazy. Okay. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section down below. And after I watch it, I'll be back to give you guys my full review of it. Wow. That is interesting. That looks pretty interesting. Pretty interesting, folks. That's I do declare. I declare that pretty interesting. <laughs> oh, man. Where is Private Delaney? I'm going to watch that one. You know, he said, that one guy said, battle buddies killing battle buddies? That's never good for unit cohesion and morale. Well, that guy should be hired to go coach the United States Army. The Army can't catch a break. They've got soldiers killing soldiers. They have gangs. They have drug deals gone wrong, revenge killings, crimes of passion, battle buddy on battle buddy, covering up murders, disguising them as suicides. You name it. The Army's doing it in the last week or two. Every week or two, we have a whole new setup of stories covering those topics. And what does the Army come back with? What does the Army clap back with? The Army Aviation Brigade brought back Be All You Can Be with a retro tribute video. Do we really need to go back to be all you can be? How about survive an encounter with your battle buddy? But apparently they posted a new video to Twitter, a new commercial, and we're going to watch it right now. They call it a modern twist on a classic commercial shot exclusively featuring the pilots of Raptor Brigade, not extinct Raptor Brigade. As an army aviator, you'll learn to fly some of the most exciting technologically advanced helicopters in the world. Find out more at Go Army. And I have that commercial for you guys right here. Let's take a look. There is just one place where you can go from high school to flight school. The Army. Yo, please don't do that. <laughs> please. Please don't go from high school to flight school. Stop everything. How did you ruin the commercial in the first seven seconds? Oh, don't join the Army, folks. Do not, under any circumstances, no matter what you do, 
no matter what sort of attachment you have to it, please, please, God, do not join the army. From high school to flight school, don't do that. Oh, no. Today's army has more pilots than the largest airline. You know the old expression, they never miss? With the Army, they never hit. They never hit. From high school to flight school. Don't do that. Don't do that. There's a reason that the Army has more pilots than every airliner or whatever they said. Because they recruit anyone. Here's an example. If you were an E-5 in the Navy, period. An E-5 in the Navy, period. All stop. You could go be a helicopter pilot in the Army. That's a program, probably still to this day. The flying warrants. They would recruit any E-5 from the Navy. Any e, All you had to do was be an E-5. They would recruit you to go be a flying warrant in the Army. Oh, my God. That's the reality of the United States Army. From high school to flight school. Let me know what you think about that commercial in the comments section down below. And do you think it is good to be an 18-year-old Army helicopter pilot? You tell me in the comments section. I know you will. Tommy says, it never stops. Surprise me how depraved people can be in the military. Like, you think, like, things would never happen in an organization like this, but it, and it surprises, but it does, and it surprises the hell out of you. Yes. Maybe go from high school to college. <laughs> from high school to college. <laughs> and on to your master's degree. And an engineering degree. And then flight school. That would be great. That would be really good. You should do that. Folks, let me just do one quick thing here before we go. And it's to remind you that the fundraising is still ongoing for Julian, a jujitsu story. And we're currently over, well over $5,000 in fundraising. Again, read the updates. There's a big personal contribution that was made, putting us well over $5,000 on our journey to $15,000. And while $15,000 at one point in time seemed almost an impossible goal, people have really showed up to support this project, more than you even know at this point. And it's a beautiful thing. And I'm going to be working on it tomorrow. I'm working on it every day. Worked on it all of October. You guys saw I wasn't here, and this is why. And it's very worth it. So thank you all for your support. It is uh, mind-blowing. And the link to this is in the description of this video and, and podcast and all that stuff. So if you can, take a look, take a, take a gander, and see if either you can contribute or you can share it on your social media. It would mean a lot to me if you did. Thank you all very much for being here with me today. It was another fantastic, phenomenal, unbelievable, great, absolutely downright good and no good at the same time episode of the Scuttlebutt Show featuring incredible stories from the Navy, Army, and Marine Corps and kind of Coast Guard too because they were in that one story. And I can't wait to be back with you guys tomorrow and all of next week. Happy Thanksgiving next week too. We'll probably be off for Thursday and Friday, but otherwise we'll be here. Good times. Thank you again. I can't say it enough. I look forward to talking to you all very soon. For now, that's the scuttlebutt.